Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. And without further ado, I was praying, and every week I, I have a schedule and I sit down and calendars and I pray over each date. And in January, I had certain things calculated to when and what's going to happen. And I asked Jeannie, would she be ready on April 16th? to bring a word to us. She says, Pastor, I'll be ready. And so why don't you welcome Jeannie to this platform, glory to God. Give her a hand as she brings the word for us this morning. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. I want to pray. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you. As Jeannie delivers a word straight from heaven for us today, I thank you that she's prepared, she's ready, and that she will deliver exactly what we need to hear to take us to the next level and experience true life in Jesus name Amen Amen. Amen. Well good morning I want to thank Pastor Devon and Stacy for allowing me to give this word I want to welcome everyone in the building and those watching online and those that will watch the replay. The replay is a blessing <laughs> if you will go back throughout the week and just go back through all the messages and just feed your spirit and renew your mind. Um, and before we start, I want you to say something after me. I want you to declare today, I'm not a quitter. And I stand up here and I say, I'm not a quitter. Because it's very funny, well, not really funny, but it is comical, I told Pastor. Um, the word that the Lord gave me today of not quitting, not growing weary, and the things that had happened this week to me, I was like, I'm not a quitter. And I sow my seed today as I come up here and stand before you that the enemy didn't want me here. The enemy didn't want me to deliver this word, but I am here, and I'm not a quitter. And you're here today for a reason. You didn't just get up and come. You didn't just come to warm the seat. You're here for a reason. And if you'll tap into the power of God, it'll change your life. You're not a quitter. The world will say, quit. The world will say, sit down. The world will say, you're not valuable. You're not worthy. But you are. You are not a quitter. And we have to get this mentality and this spirit off of us to just quit when things are not easy. And so today, you are not a quitter. And I want you to hold on to that this week when you go into this world and whatever is coming at you this week. You're not a quitter. And when you hear no, you just stand back and get in the Word of God and you say, it can be done. My God is powerful. The people put Jesus in the grave, but the grave and hell could not even hold him down. God's power said it's yes. God's power, it can be done. Jesus was not a quitter when he sat in that garden and he prayed for each and every one of you. And he said, God, if there is another way, let there be another way. But may your will be done. He didn't quit. He didn't quit when that pain was going through his body and he was beat and he was tortured. And the things that are not even listed in the Bible and the things that we can't even talk about that probably happened to him. Because he encountered everything that we could encounter from any type of abuse, speakable or unspeakable, he encountered it because he's our high priest. He had to go through it so that when we go through it, we can overcome through the blood of Jesus. And so we are not quitters. And so today I want you to open your Bibles to Galatians. 
And we're going to look at Galatians 6, 9, and I'm going to look at it in the New King James and in the New Living Translation. It says, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And then again in the um, New Living Translation, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. It is appearing that in the world, those that are standing on the word of God and those that are standing for truth and those that are doing good has become the minority. We hear people engaging in lifestyles and things that we know does not line up with the Word of God, and it can become very tempting and easy to just grow tired of doing good. But the Word of God says don't give up, don't become tired, don't become fatigued. Continue doing what you're doing because in due season you will reap a harvest. And that's what Pastor was talking about. Keep watering that seed. We water the seed with our words, right? Because our words have power. So what you're speaking over your family each and every day, what you're speaking over your body each and every day, what you're speaking over your finances and the things that God has called you to do. It matters. It's like planting a garden. When you plant seeds and it starts coming up, you don't know the exact day that it's going to bear fruit. It continues to grow with care and water and sunlight. And it's the same with us when we are believing God for something. Time can sometimes be your enemy because you start looking at other things and you get distracted. But God says, in due season, in due time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. I think about this often. We never know how close we are to our breakthrough. We could be one year away from your breakthrough in your life. You could be one month away from a miracle taking place in your life. You could be one day, one hour away from a wave of favor taking place in your life, and you could be one second, one second away from Jesus rearranging your life. One second, and you decide, I've had enough, I'm giving up. One second away from that wonderful breakthrough. And so we have to guard our hearts from weariness, because it does come to each and every one of us, and we have that responsibility to guard that, our heart from weariness, I want to look, I am going to kind of read a lot of verses today, um, but I am going to stop and kind of share with what the, what the Lord has given me. So we're going to look at 1 Kings, and we're going to look at chapter 19, 1 through 9. Um, just a little bit of a backstory. This is Elijah. Now, Elijah is a powerful man of God. Elijah was raptured to heaven without dying, right? A chariot of fire came and took him to heaven. But I want to show you this story of how weariness can even set in to those that sometimes we think that they are above us. We're all human. The only one that powerful is Jesus. And so here, Elijah, um, there was the account of where the, the prophets of Baal, you know, they were going to sacrifice, and they're doing all their sacrifices, and God's not doing anything. And Elijah kind of mocks them and is like, where's your God? Call out to your God. And so then Elijah calls on God, and fire came down. 
There had been no rain. Fire came down. It accepted the, um, or it burned up the burnt offering and the, it even lapped up all the water because Elijah went a step further and had put water on it. So here is this mighty demonstration of God that just took place. But let's see what happens with Elijah. In verse 1, it says, When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. I find that kind of funny that here's one woman who... Elijah just had the power of God annihilate all of these people. But this one woman is prideful enough to say, I'm going to come and kill you. You had the power of God demonstrate in your life, but I'm coming to kill you. That is very prideful. And in verse 3, we see what happens to Elijah. Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. One woman gave him a negative report. And he had just seen God's mighty power work through him. A victory. And one woman gave a report and said, By this time tomorrow I'm coming to kill you. He was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness traveling all day. And he sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. So let's stop there for just a minute and look at what happened when Elijah allowed weariness to set in. He received persecution, he received a bad report, and he allowed fear and panic to grip his heart. Now we look and we see that he went alone into the wilderness. He didn't have to go alone in the wilderness. He had an assistant. But isn't it interesting that he left his assistant in the town and he went alone into the wilderness and it says he traveled all day. So now he's physically, mentally, and emotionally exalted and he has isolated himself. God has not called us to isolate ourselves. It is so easy when we start going through bad or negative things to pull away and try to isolate ourselves. Instead of coming to church, instead of getting around uh, faith-filled people that want to pour into you, we start backing away. And that's not what God called us to do. We go further into verse 4. At the end of verse 4, this is what Elijah says with the power of his mouth, who just used this mouth to call down the power of God. Now he says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. You don't have to raise your hands, but have you ever just said, I've had enough. I've had enough, Lord. Everything that's happened, I've just had enough. And it's not to shame or make us guilty. It shows the weakness of our flesh when our faith is not built up. And so we have to watch that the level of our faith Um, coincides with our word level. For faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. So when we allow our word level to get low and we begin to isolate ourselves from situations or people and we become to get physically and mentally and emotionally tired, it's very easy 
for weariness to set in and for you to give up. It says in verse 5, Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. And when he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he lay down again. In verse 7, it says, Then the angel of the Lord came again, touched him, and said, Get up, eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave, and he slept that night. So we see here that God provided supernatural um, food, physical food, but it was supernatural food that gave him strength for 40 days and 40 nights. But we learn a valuable lesson here. We learn that there are times when things are coming against you, and it's one thing after another. It's that text, it's that phone call, it's that email, it's that report from the doctor about your body, it's what your bank statement is saying, it's what this family member is doing, it's what that teacher at school is saying about your grades. It's all these things coming at us at once, and it's usually the little things that start piling up that we sometimes just have to stop. We just have to stop We have to be still. We have to turn off the distractions. And then it's funny because sometimes we just need to eat a good meal and take a nap. Get some rest. Go to sleep. Reset. The things that we think are so important, they can wait. And if those people can't wait, that's their problem. Things can wait because you have to have balance. You know the difference between procrastination and being lazy and just needing to stop. You need to be able to hear the word of God. And if you're running from activity to activity and you're not giving God your attention, again, your word level is going to drop. And when your word level drops, your faith starts to weaken. And then you are vulnerable. It says in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9, it says, So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. In verse 8, it says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. It's so interesting that the difference between humility and pride, and I had never looked at this before. Um, It's really interesting because I believe I had heard um, Jeremy Pearson, um, Pastor Jeremy, preach on this one time that the difference between humility and pride is right here. Are you able to cast your care upon the Lord? Because casting your care upon the Lord and not taking care of yourself, that's humility. But when we hold on to it and we think, I've got to worry about this, I have to take care of this, that's pride. Because you're saying, I can do something better than God. But it's not. When we humble ourselves and give our worries to God, we're acknowledging that we are not God. And that apart from him, we can do nothing. Also, it's so interesting. It says that Satan roams around looking for someone to devour. So when a lion goes to a pack, they're not just attacking everybody. They're very strategic. They're looking for the one that is weak. They're looking for the one that is out here isolated, 
feeble by themselves because they're an easy prey. And I think it's so funny that Satan's such an imitator. He's not a creator, so he roams around like a lion, but we serve the Lion of Judah. It's so funny. you got to watch. Watch how the Word um, sets this picture up for you. That the enemy always wants to twist something to make him look like he's more powerful than he is. And that's why he can't come at you when you're filled with the word, when your faith is up here and and you're ready with your weapons, your spiritual weapons. He has to come at you when you're tired and you're weak and you're distracted. That's when he can get that foothold into your life. I want to look at Mark 4, 1 through 9. I, might, I don't think I'm going to read the whole thing. Um, but this is talking about the farmer who sows seed. And Jesus is speaking um, by the lake shore and to a large crowd. And he's giving this parable. And I want to start, um, let's start at verse 3, actually. It says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed, and as he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil and underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Verse 7 says, Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. We're going to stop there, and I'm going to paraphrase. Later, the disciples went to Jesus, and they said, What does this mean? Like, what does this even mean? And it was interesting because in verse 13, it says, Jesus said to them, if you don't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? So when I see that in the Word of God, that makes me think, okay, I need to understand this parable. I need to study it. I need to know what it is saying um, because it's going to apply to my life. And so we're going to look here in uh, verse 14. Jesus is explaining to the disciples what this parable means. And I want you to think about this as if it's you, your heart, the ground that Jesus is talking about. Which heart do you have? It says the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. So we know the seed is the word of God. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. So they gave up. The, the seed did not produce fruit. 16 says, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So they give up. Verse 18 says, The seed that fell among the thorns represent others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And again, they give up, and that fruit doesn't produce. But in verse 20, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word, and they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So say again, I'm not a quitter. quitter. 
We're not going to walk around with a quitting spirit on us. We are the church. We are the arms and feet of Jesus. We cannot get up in the morning and have this dread and this um, lack of joy and enthusiasm and think that we're going to we're going to convince somebody else about our relationship with Jesus. We have to go forth, and we have to be able to share the, the, the message of Jesus with people, and we can't walk around in fatigue and weariness and wanting to give up. I want to share another story um, in Nehemiah that is a contrast of Elijah. Now, here is Nehemiah, and I love his spirit. Um, he is a man that very interestingly, when we talk about Esther, he was the king's cupbearer. So here, if you go back through history and study it, we have Esther and Mordecai um, and the king, and then Nehemiah is the cupbearer through this whole scenario. And so as a cupbearer, it was against the law to show any emotion You could not show sadness. You could not show anger. They said that it was punishable by death. You had to just be very flat. You had one job, and that was to taste the wine that was given to the king to make sure it wasn't poisoned. But Nehemiah hears a story, or he hears news, that the wall in Jerusalem had been torn down, the gates had been burned, and he was saddened. And so here, Nehemiah goes before the same king, the same king that Esther had went to and prayed for favor. He prayed for favor before this king. And he goes, and the king says, yes, you can go and help build the wall of Jerusalem and the gates. Now, when Nehemiah went and he joined in with the Jewish people to rebuild this wall and the gates of Jerusalem, there were some people that were not cheering him on. They were not excited that he was doing what God had called him to do. They would send negative reports, and they would try to discourage him. But it's interesting in Nehemiah 6-9, it says, This is Nehemiah talking. He says, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Isn't that a contrast? Instead of being like, I've had enough, I'm done, and no judgment on Elijah, you know. (laughs) But he says, no. You're going to come at me with more negative reports than I am determined by the power of God to dig my feet in, and I'm going to do even more for God. I'm going to finish the work that God has called me to do. If we go back in Nehemiah 4, 6, it says, in Nehemiah 4, 6, it says, At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. They joined together in unity to complete a work that God had called them to do, and they were determined. Now, in Nehemiah 4, 12 through 18, I want you to see something. It says in verse 12, it says, The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So whose report are you going to believe? These Jewish people, they lived near the enemy, so they heard all the negative, intimidating reports, 
every single day. And it's interesting that they didn't go to Nehemiah and say, hey, this is what's going on. You're like, we need to do this and continue being enthusiastic. They came to Nehemiah again and again and again, and they said, they're going to come from all directions and attack us. They were releasing their faith with their words. They were continuing to speak exactly what the enemy was speaking. And so this is what Nehemiah did. In verse 13, it says, So I placed armed guards around the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas, and I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. And then I also looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and rest of the people, and I said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. So he had a choice. He could say, you know what, you're right, they're coming. They're telling me every single day that they're coming to attack us. But Nehemiah, he wasn't naive. He didn't deny the problem. He went and looked at the situation. So we can't just deny the things that we're hearing. You know, if a doctor says this is what's going on, we can't just deny it. We have to say, okay, what are my options But my ultimate option is the word of God is my medicine. So if something's going on and you hear a report about I may lose my job, you can't just deny it. Okay, well, what are my options? But my final option is what's found in the word of God. So you cannot deny your problems. Nehemiah did not deny his problem. He looked at the situation, and then he stationed people together. Again, he did not isolate himself. He did not isolate the people. He put them in groups. And then he gave them weapons. The Lord will fight our battles for us. And I'm going to go down to 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. This is the difference. Nehemiah and the Jewish people, they had physical weapons, but this is what we have. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We have the power of God. He has given us weapons that we don't have to fight against flesh and blood because that's not our real enemy. So I know when you get mad and you get frustrated, sometimes your flesh wants to tell them wants to educate them. And I have been guilty of saying, let me educate you. And my husband laughs. He's like, you are like a chihuahua. You are so little, because he's he's six too. But there are times where I'm like, let me educate you, because you're flesh, you know? And there's been times where you want to put your hands on somebody. And the same thing, I don't care if I'm small. I have wanted to put my hands on somebody. But that's not our enemy, The true enemy is Satan that's working through that person. And what's so wonderful is our weapons are not carnal. You know, the weapons of my hands can fail. The weapons of my mouth will fail if it's carnal. But if I'm speaking the word of God, and if I'm binding Satan, and I'm pleading the blood of Jesus, things are going to change. And it's interesting because when it is the right words... And when it is the right time, that education will come. And sometimes we find that we were the one that was wrong. 
So it's when we stop for a moment and say, okay, who is my real enemy in this situation? And Lord, I need to rely upon your weapons right now. So let's uh, look at our last verse. It's in um, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. I do want to um, read this whole thing to you guys. Because this one, I encourage you that if you've never gotten a habit of studying out the armor of God, you should do that this week. If you just kind of read it and you're like, I don't really understand what that armor means, really do a good study on that because each and every day when you get ready to get up, you should envision yourself in the armor of God. You should have such a reality that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against these principalities and these evil spirits. You should have such a reality that you're walking in the power of God that when you wake up and your feet touch the ground and your eyes open, that all hell shakes because they're terrified of you. You have to remember that when things are coming against you, and even as I was preparing this message and I was keeping in contact with um, Pastor Devon and things were coming at me, I thought, No, I'm not going to quit because the enemy is more scared of me and the power of God than I am scared of him. And so I'm going to sow my seed and I'm going to continue to go and I'm going to continue to do my responsibilities this week and do the things that I have to do because God's power is in me. I have resurrection power in me. We just talked about that. You have resurrection power in you. You don't have a quitting spirit in you. You are not a quitter. So say that again. I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to quit because my body's in pain. I'm not going to quit because that negative blood report came back. I'm not going to quit because my family is acting like they're in strife and division and I'm getting phone calls. I'm not going to quit because you're not my enemy. And when people come at you and they say things to you and they're just, I don't like you. I don't care because you're not my enemy. And I can continue in the love of God because God's love will flow through you. So let's take a look at this. It says in Ephesians 6, 10, it says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mighty, and be strong in the Lord and in the mighty power. Put on all of God's armor that you'll be able to stand against the strategies of Satan because that's what it is. It's just a strategy of Satan and it's no, it's not new. It is not new. He cannot create for we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. You would not walk out of the house with one piece of clothing missing, I hope. So you need to walk around in the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the enemy. It's not just so we can say, I put on my helmet of salvation. I put on. It's so you can resist the enemy. You need to know what you're doing. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. You will not be quitting and fatigued and weary. You're going to be standing firm even after a battle. It says, stand firm and stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. We know that the truth is the word of God that is going to hold our entire life together. And the body armor of God's righteousness. I stand before God in his righteousness because of Jesus. 
I am in right standing with God because of the blood of Jesus. For shoes I put on peace that comes from the good news so that I will be fully prepared. And in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Your shield of faith, it is strong when you are in the word of God. Your word level matters. It matters what you are putting in your eyes. That is your faith. Your faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. That is how your faith grows. That is how you're able to hold that shield when the fiery darts come because they are going to come. We cannot be naive Christians. We have to be aware of Satan's schemes and we have to be able to discern when those things come at us. And then it's so amazing because our weapon of offense is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So our sword of the Spirit, how we fight our enemy, is by speaking the Word of God. It's not by slapping someone or cussing them out. Um, It is by speaking the Word of God over them. And so today, as we prepare to close, I want to stir up your faith. Now, I can stir up your faith here, but it is your job at home to stir your own faith up. The Bible says to stir yourself up, to stir yourself up. And so when you get up in the morning, I'm not going to say we don't feel things, that our flesh don't feel things, but you don't have to stay like that. You can say, I'm not going to dread today. I'm not going to worry today. I'm not going to get into anxiety today. I'm going to walk in the joy of the Lord. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm not a quitter. And so when we start hearing things this week, you can look at it and say, favor. I speak favor over and I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting because it can be done. You may be in a business transaction and you are praying and you are believing for that business transaction and you start getting negative reports here and there. Favor. I am believing it can be done. When we get before the Lord of God and He gives you a word. Now, I'm not just saying you just pull anything out of the air. But when God puts something on your heart, do not let somebody take that away from you. Do not let the enemy take that away from you. If you are standing and you have a word from God that you are going to conceive and you are going to be a parent, it can be done. You are not a quitter. You are not going to give up and grow fatigued and weary. If God said it, it's done. And that settles it. If God says, I have prepared a spouse for you, it can be done. We are not quitters. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead. Thank you.